Hey everybody, Matt Johnson here, the creator and director of New Frequency, welcoming you to another episode of our podcast. Tonight's episode is a great noir for you called 510 Split. Introducing it with me is the wonderful star of New Frequency, fantastic writer. Here he is, James Napoli. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Hello, hello. Been a while since James has been here on the podcast, but we've been lucky enough to hear your pieces so much this year almost every single week or every other week we're hearing one of james's great writing pieces what's it been like for you to, to hear these throughout the year and uh it's you know it, it's 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 validating for the most part <laughs> right. but every writer has that feeling of okay i'm past that one now yeah and it doesn't feel right to me anymore I'm not going to tell you which ones those are. I told Gil this in another intro that we did. Gil Glasgow, one of our actors that introduced a piece with me. It, it's amazing how some of the pieces that, that, uh, that I'm reviewing for the podcast, even that I wrote, I have no memory of when I wrote them. Normally, I can remember like sitting down and physically mm -hmm. where I was at when I, when, when I wrote them, what state of mind I was in. Some of these pieces, I have no memory. It's true. <laughs> in, in many ways, our show was like an improv show. Yeah. Because it happened so fast and we had to get it out onto the stage so quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That it flies by us. Yeah. Anyway, so so many of, of great of James's great pieces, uh, you know, have already aired this year and will air. So keep listening to to all those. Let's talk a little bit about this one. A great noir called Five Ten Split from writer Zeke K. You know, noir is, is is a classic genre in radio drama. Talk a little bit about its history and how and you know how you think we sort of you know portrayed noirs in the new frequency way. Well, that whole idea about old radio being a kind of foundation for our show but mm -hmm. always wanting to not drift into it aside from the tribute pieces we did right so yes we wanted to redefine spin it on its head as much as we could with our own take on it but i think it is aside from the superhero genre of radio yeah. it has to be the defining piece oh, of no, old-time yeah, radio i definitely think so is this idea of the detective that mm -hmm. that was popularized even before film noir movies. Right, I'm absolutely. I'm yeah. sure they weren't called film noir radio shows because that term hadn't come up yet. Right. But yeah, that long tradition of just that cynical, hard-boiled yeah. look at life. Right. So um, that's where we came from, and, and you and I always tried to put our own spin on that, but then you got ZK. <laughs> of course. <laughs> who, I don't know, put it through a blender, maybe? Right. Would be a way to say it? <laughs> Absolutely. This piece follows a lonely housewife who meets a you know beguiling nightclub singer at a bowling alley named Rose who she sort of falls for and then gets involved in a world of twists and turns and murder and all that great like noir stuff but I think what Zeke did so great was yeah he, he completely threw it out he gave us a female protagonist he gave us all the twists and turns you love with a noir but all along the way, what I loved in every single scene was he just never committed to what you would think should be happening or followed like traditional narrative. He just always, you know, found a great way to get his own twists and turns in there and keep you on your heels of never really feeling unbalanced with a piece like that. That was the thing with Zeke was that the surrealism came first. Right. Yeah. And then the plot got piled on top of it. Yeah. Which was such a great compliment to you and I because, you know, you and I write differently, but then Zeke wrote so differently from us whenever yeah. he would bring in his pieces. I know. He was like the Salvador Dali <laughs> of our group. <laughs> he was. For sure. Uh, one of the great re reasons why I wanted James to introduce this piece with me is because you and I, we've been, we're so lucky to have the wonderful cast we have performing all of our pieces. But I thought it would be fun for us in a piece like this where neither you nor I wrote it just to get to talk about the cast we got to work with and, and, and 
really give them their props. Susan Hendershot in this piece is really just amazing as the lead. What can you say about Susan except for she's fantastic? She is. Um, she was such a rich part of our. I still remember. I may have. Have we talked about Susan? You and I on these podcasts before? I, I forget. I don't, I don't know if we did. I think that I don't think we have. Not on the podcast. Because she did a piece uh, that I remember. I was not in, so I was sitting in those chairs in the background right. while the other performers were going, and I was looking at the audience. And going, she has them in the palm of, of her course. hand. She was mesmerizing. It was, she was really tremendous presence. Yeah, yeah, she did. She was wonderful for us. A great, a great actress we had, I think, for a couple, couple years. And, and, and this piece, she's, she's really, really strong. And you can hear in her voice the, the, the journey that she's taken you along the way. As an audio performance, she leads you through this whole piece because her emotions are so present on that microphone when we recorded it. You know? That's what it was. She was she was raw in that way. Absolutely. So and 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 other great cast members in this, you know, from Jeff Hoheimer uh, as as her husband who talks about monkeys all the time too. <laughs> Can we just maybe we should both do our impersonation? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> monkeys. <laughs> monkeys. Monkeys. <laughs> there you go, Jeff. Um, uh, Tracy Crouch, Joanna Rubiner. Uh, you played a great, uh, you know, kind of. Kind a twist on a hard-nosed guy we find out about halfway through the piece so i mean it was really just you know like a pleasure to hear these cast at work and this isn't the first time we hear these people go back and listen to our podcast they kill on every single episode james and i were always so fortunate to be able to write these pieces and then put them in the hands of people who can bring it to life Amazing. like this and and you know i just came from a teaching event before we uh, mm -hmm. recorded this intro today and i met a young uh, prospective student who wants to be a writer right and she said, I want to hear my words performed by actors. Mm -hmm. yeah. And boy, and, and when that's your ambition and we had the cast we had. Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. We were literally able to create things. And most people write, most, you know, most writers, we write things in the dark of our house and they never get seen or yeah. read or anything. You and I had the ability to write something and then, you know, every time we did a live show and still do live shows, there they are to like come to life for us. So big thank you to all of our cast out there. We love you guys for all the work you've done yeah, for us. Yeah, real gift. Absolutely. Hey, let's go into this one. Let's let everybody enjoy it. James, thanks so much for joining me. You guys enjoy this one at home. Great noir for you called 510 Split. New frequency, a theater of the mind on the air. On the air. In three. Pretty clever. In two. Overcome by a dreadful, dreadful curiosity. In one. New frequency. It's like nothing I have ever experienced. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy 510 Splits. It was a dark and dirty night here in the big city. And I mean dirty in a good way. I stopped to collect my thoughts in the damp cracks between the buildings. A shadow catching his breath beneath a saggy fedora. I could taste the sting of her dime store perfume lingering on my lips, my hands still warm and shaky from holding her. I would have spent the night, but her eyes, two pools of amber, they told me that she's the kind of girl who doesn't like to be tied down. No, she'd rather be doing the tying, and my wrists have the rope burns to prove it. I told her I could take her away from all this, make her an honest woman. But I guess she didn't like the sound those words made climbing out of this mug's mouth, because that's when she handed me my hat and told me maybe I better not come back. I guess that's the life of a detective here in the big city. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs>
broke the yolk. Joshua, are you listening? I messed up your egg. Would you like me to make you another one? Eh, or whatever. What on earth is so interesting in the paper that you can't have a conversation with your wife about eggs? What's that? <laughs> oh, the newspaper, yeah. Some fella, police detective, I guess, got himself murdered down over in uh, San Juan a couple nights back. Josh, I know I don't like you talking about that sort of thing over breakfast. Mm. Here's your eggs. Mm-hmm. Eat them while they're hot, please. Eggs aren't any good if you let them sit too long. It says here if they have some clues, but that the murder is still on the loose. You got two perfectly good eggs in front of you. Aren't you the least bit hungry? They're calling him the nine-pin killer on account of having bludgeoned that poor fella to death with a bowling pin. Oh, no. <laughs> says here the monkeys at the zoo just had a baby. <laughs> monkeys are funny. I just remembered. <laughs> I start my bowling league tonight. I gotta get my hair done. I don't even have an appointment. I have to pick up my shirt. Yeah, you know, they should have a monkey bowling team. I'd pay good money to see a monkey in those a pair of those silly shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, that reminds me. Don't you start your bowling league tonight? <laughs> Eat your eggs. I got so much to do. Oh, your dinner. I know. I'll make you a pot roast and put it in the fridge. Just put it in the oven at 350 as soon as you I get in. I'll grab something with the boys when I get home. Gotta go. Yo, Josh. I could stay home if you'd rather. Make a nice dinner for two, candlelight. We could leave the twins at your mother's. Have fun tonight! <laughs> you didn't touch your eggs. first one all night. Well, something on your mind, Lily? You seem kind of down. Oh, it's her husband. He's a cold fish. And? Well, you know what they say about men. If they're an angel at home, they're a devil at play. Get it? I'm saying maybe he's diddling his secretary. And I, I just don't see him trying it on with anyone. Oh, of course. Besides, who would have him? Oh, my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. No. It's okay. Uh, I think I could use that ginger ale after all. Anybody else want something from the bar? No, no, thanks. I'm good. Okay, I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. I'll just swing by the payphone and see how Josh is doing with the boys. Walking through that cold cloud of stale cigar smoke as I entered the bowler's bar, I felt, I don't know, different. It was dark and dirty. And there on a little stage in the corner, the lights come up. That's where I first saw her. The one they call Suddenly the song was over and she was gone. Oh, hot stuff. Yeah. The truck drivers loved her, or lusted after her. And I wondered for a moment, just for a moment, what it might be like to be her. 
I, I better call Josh and the boys. Mikey? Oh, Marty. Hi, honey, it's Mommy. No, I'm I'm sorry. It's it's loud here, and you sounded like your brother. No, not that one. No, don't cry, Marty. No, no, I, I knew it was you. I just, no, no, Marty, don't hang up the phone. Somebody behind me was using the other payphone. I didn't mean to listen. I don't know what he did with the money. He's the one who got me mixed up in all this. And I'm mixed up, all right, like salt and seawater. If he finds me, it's over. The mug was a detective, for Christ's sake. It could be the electric chair, or worse. I turned around to see who it was, but she was gone. The acrid stink of her cheap perfume was the only evidence she'd ever been there at all. I don't know what came over me, but I followed that scent down the hall, around a corner, and through a doorway. <laughs> oh, this is stupid. Housewives from suburbia don't do this kind of thing. But there I was, doing it. <laughs> I, I decided I'd better get back to my friends. Only I, I was all turned around. And when I came through the door, I thought I'd come through. Oh, I, um, uh, sh- no, uh, need to cover your eyes, sugar. We both got the same parts. <laughs> I'd stumbled into Rose's dressing room. And she was undressing. Could you be a doll and hand me that lavender lotion? Yeah, yeah you, you really should lock the door, you know, if you're going to be na- na- naked. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had. Should have known better, I guess. All these dives are the same, though it's usually a man that accidentally walks in. <laughs> lotion, please. You can put it on me if you're that type. <laughs> I tossed her the lotion. <laughs> into the parking lot. That's when I saw my friends, or, or rather, when they saw me. There you are. We, we were worried. Oh, I wasn't. I thought you picked up a guy at the bar. And? Well, you look flushed. See, it's always the quiet one. And? No, I, I better get home. I have to tuck the boys into bed. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> I slipped into my station wagon and took a deep breath. Oh, somebody in a gray cutlass was waiting for my spot, so I pulled out and headed home. I was halfway there when I noticed some jerk riding my tail. It was that gray cutlass from the bowling alley. He followed me. No, no, it can't be. Just my imagination, a coincidence. I'm just a housewife. I made a left and then a right. He was still there, behind me. I gave the wagon a little gas and pulled ahead. I turned right, right again, and then another right. Still there, I was being followed. I dropped my foot to the floor. The wagon rumbled and grumbled, but played along. There, up ahead, a sharp left into the alley, past the quickie mark. Cat! Oh! Hit the garbage dumpster. Must have smacked the steering wheel. A dribble of blood slipped into my eye stings. In my rear view, I saw the cutlass. Headlights throbbing, watching me. And then it backed out and sped away. I could taste the exhaust as I opened my door just in time to... Here are your eggs. 
I didn't tell Josh about the cutlass. I blamed the accident on the cat. He said he is just as glad that I is okay. A week passed and everything went back to normal. Josh sat at the table reading his paper. Yeah, it says here the police have a lead on that nine-pin killer. You want some juice? Apparently they're looking for a tall gal, 5'10". It says they need to ask her some questions. <laughs> they got a cartoon about the new baby monkey at the zoo. <laughs> gal? Yeah, off to work. Have fun tonight. Uh, I was thinking maybe I wouldn't go. Oh, don't be silly. I'll take the boys out for some fast food. I put the plate of eggs back in the fridge. <laughs> seemed to waste, seemed silly to waste them. 7 p.m. on the nose. I parked my wagon outside Bugsy's Bolarama. I thought about not going in, but then, oh, somebody knocked on my door. Oh, uh, Anne. What on earth happened to your car? Looks like you tried to kill somebody. Anne, what a terrible thing to say. I got out of my car just as Rose headed into the bowling alley. Our eyes met. We shared a smile. On this night, I got two strikes. And when I wanted a ginger ale, I sent Anne to the bar. It was turning into a rather uneventful evening. I said goodnight to the girls. Night, Lily. Then I saw the note on my windshield. It said, meet me at Oyster's Pearl, midnight. I need to ask you something. Rose. Maybe I thought she needed my help. Maybe I just didn't want to go home. But I drove to the Oyster's Pearl, a diner on the bad side of town. It was a greasy spoon, kind of place with greasy plates and glasses to match. Sort of place where the waitress calls everyone honey. What can I get you, honey? This muscle-head guy dripping in black trench coat sat at my table. Excuse me, I'm waiting for someone. Yeah. Me. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll leave you two lovebirds alone. <laughs> Look, I'm not trying it on with you, lady, so cool your jets. I'm the guy who left the note on your wagon. But it said Rose. Yeah, well, that's who I gotta talk to you about. I'm Detective Ferelli. He flashed his badge like a weapon from the folds of his wallet. I'd offer to buy you a coffee, but what I got to say ain't gonna take that long. I don't understand. Yeah, I know, you're not involved. Not yet. Involved with what? Hey, you look like a nice lady from the right side of the tracks. Yeah, I live in a decent neighborhood, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, well, crossing the tracks can be dangerous. Choo-choo, the trains are coming, and it's coming for your lady friend, so you best not be in the way, understand? Not really. I think you do. So tell me what flea station she's collecting Z's at, and I'll be on my way. Well, where's she staying? <laughs> How would I know? I only met her once. Oh, yeah? Hmm. I think maybe I even believe you. You better keep it that way. I'd hate to see a soccer mom take it on the chin, get sent up for a hard time. <laughs> hey, can I bum a cig off you? Oh, uh, I don't smoke. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I noticed his eyes start to twitch just before he turned and walked away. He'd left a pack of matches on the table. It was a bowling alley matchbook, but not my bowling alley. Lazy Dave's down in San Juan. 
On the inside flap, one word was written in red ink. Rose. Back in the car, I headed home to the stillness of the suburbs. I'd only driven a few blocks. Did she follow you? I nearly swerved off the road. It was Rose. She was hiding in the back seat. Keep driving and don't look back here. Well, I, I said don't look back. Is that bastard following? No, I, I mean, I, I don't think so. Did you tell him where my motel is? How could I? I don't know. Well, now you do. Take me to Pinocchio's mot motel, 5th and Normandy. It was a sticky, hot summer night, and the motel stank of survival. Urine, feces, blood, semen. That's what makes the world go around. The world between the suburbs. Get in here. Ugh. Rose grabbed my wrist and pulled me hard into her room. She turned on the room's only light. The cockroach carpet skittered away into the shadows, revealing a cold linoleum floor. Easy cleanup. They just hose it down in the morning. Oh. <laughs> I... Um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed watching you s sing, um, the other night. You want some wine? I shook my head no. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry about the paper cups. She handed me the wine, and her fingertips touched mine. Electricity jumped down the back of my hand and up my spine. For a moment, I, I, I couldn't think. Then she smiled and said, Drink. Rose. Yeah, doll? Why'd you bring me here? I bet you got the perfect atomic life. Husband, dog, 2.4 kids, soaps on the TV, pizza Fridays. I imagine you must never get lonely. Only when I turn out the lights. And with that, Rose smiled, took me in her arms, and turned out the lights. I was home before sunrise. I showered her fingerprints off my skin, but nothing could wash away my ear-to-ear -ear grin. I took the eggs. I took the eggs I cooked yesterday from the fridge and put them down in front of Josh. He just kept reading his paper, didn't even notice. Josh? I'm going bowling again tonight. Yeah, it says here the police are closing in on the nine-pin killer. Yeah, I, I gotta run errands all day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Monkeys. I spent the day at the mall in all the brightly lit shops. Perfume, dresses, bath soaps. One for me, one for Rose. A box of chocolate with mystery centers. Fresh air followed me everywhere. Reservations for two, Ches Noir. <laughs> Dinner at sunset. 6 p.m., Bolorama. Pick up Rose, just as we discussed. But she wasn't there. That excitement bubbling up inside of me spilled out onto the floor. My mouth went dry, cotton. I rushed over to the Pinocchio Motel. She wasn't there either. Through her window, Illuminated by moonlight, I saw another matchbook from Lazy Dave's bowling alley. Time for me to see San Juan. Lazy Dave's was a dive. They must have had their secrets, or maybe I just asked too many questions, because all of a sudden their bouncer, 
A transy with a dress as black as the stubble on his chin chucked me out into the alley. Ugh. The same alley where not two weeks ago the nine-pin killer bowled his first strike into the head of a police detective. <laughs> I torn my stocking and put a deep cut in my knee. In the shadows, the blood ran black. Everything runs black in the shadows. <laughs> but there, against the filthy brick wall, a little glisten of light. I crawled over and plucked it from the darkness. A single silver sequin. It was getting harder and harder to go home, to make that turn into my prefab life. I decided to take one more drive past Pinocchio's. This time, the light in Rosa's room was on. Jackpot. I tried the doorknob. It wasn't locked, so I went in. One more step and I blow your balls off. Rose was on the bed, but I had to look past the barrel of a six-shooter to see her. Her eyes were swelled shut. She'd had the meat beat out of her. Rose? <laughs> Lily? Oh, thank God, it's you. <laughs> it took some convincing, but she let me take the gun, and I persuaded her to spend the night at my house. What about your husband? <laughs> it was late by the time we got back. All the lights were out, so we scurried in. I made her a place to sleep on the sofa. Will you stay with me? Just for a little bit? Sure, okay. You're so lucky. That's so? Sure. To have all this, this life. Life in the light. Flowers live off the light. We're both flowers. Did you notice that? You're a lily. I'm a rose. Flowers are soft, fragile. And anyone who wants to can come along and pluck one just to make themselves feel better, just for a few days or for a moment. They don't ever care what becomes of us. Kiss me. Shh. Everything's going to be all right. Her lips were like petals pressed against mine. The morning came too soon. We had a quiet breakfast, and I called a cab. You're not going back to the motel? No, there's something I got to take care of. Rose, would you, could we, could we run off together? You'd give up all this, this life? Yeah, it's a dead life, Rose. Meet me at the Bolorama, three hours. I kissed her goodbye at sunrise and rushed inside before Josh woke up. Yeah, it says here the police have all the evidence they need to convict the nine-pin killer. Says he's gonna get the electric chair, huh? Now they just gotta catch him. Does it say him? What's that? Oh, no, I guess not. It says uh, they just have to apprehend the suspect. Oh. Huh. So, uh, did you ladies enjoy the slumber party last night? My heart stopped. What's that? Yeah, yeah, I got up to get a glass of water in the middle of the night and I saw you two sleeping like logs on the sofa. Was that Anne or, or Mary? It was too dark to tell. Oh, right, yeah. It was, um, it was Mary, it was Anne. Anne. That's nice. I'm glad you're spending so much more time with your girlfriends. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking, uh, taking the boys to see the, the monkey at the zoo today, you know, to see that baby monkey. You want to come? Uh, you know, I, I already made plans with Anne. Uh, Do you mind going without me? Uh, monkeys. <laughs> uh, no eggs today? Oh. Ro uh, Anne got the last one. 
watching the clock can turn three hours into 30. I couldn't pack my bags, Josh and the boys hadn't left. I decided to pick up Rose and pack later. The parking lot at the Bolarama looked different in the light of day. Empty, lonely. The place was closed, locked up tight. I was just about to knock when a car pulled up behind me. Get in. It was Detective Ferrelli, and he was driving a gray cutlass. Ah, uh, I, don't, I don't have time right now. Get in. Was it you, the one who followed me, made me crash my car? Where is she? I don't know. Maybe you'd like me to tell your husband what's been going on between you and Ivy. Ivy? Oh, that's right. She told you her name was Rose. Well, Rose by any other name would be just as deadly. Deadly? The nine-pin killer? You're in over your head, sister. It's Ivy's fault that man is dead. Unless you want to be next, I suggest you tell me where she is. She wouldn't. She couldn't. Do you know where she is or not? I... Uh, I'm supposed to meet her later. I, I, I don't know where. Here's my card. The second you know, you call me. Understand? I couldn't turn her in. There had to be a reason why she killed that man. Uh, an accident, self-defense, something, anything. Rose let me in through the back door. Took me into a dressing room. We need to talk. Look, I don't care what happened. I want us to run away together. I can't keep running. He'll find me. I have to do something drastic. I just don't know what... What do you mean, I don't, you don't care what happened? The, the guy... The guy you killed. It was self-defense, right? What are you talking about? The detective. The, the, the nine-pin killer. It's you. How could you think that? I never... I found your sequin in the alley where he was killed, Rose. Or should I call you Ivy? Ivy? How did you... The detective told me. Detective? What detective? Forelli. Jeez, Rose, you look like you've seen a ghost. You said he was a detective, huh? You didn't tell him you were meeting me here, did you? Ow, let go of my arm, you're hurting Did me. you tell him I was here? No, I, he gave me his phone number, Give me that! I'm putting an end to this once and for all. Rose, no! She made a phone call. I tried to listen through the wall, but all I could make out was... Anderson's Warehouse, 10 p.m. I headed home and packed my bags. I left a note for Josh and the boys. Don't worry. stared at the family photo for I don't know how long. By the time I wiped away the tears, it was almost 10 o'clock. I started up the wagon and headed for the warehouse. There, under cover of moonlight in the parking lot of Anderson's warehouse, two gray cutlasses. Two. I climbed the stairs to the second floor entrance and snuck inside. So where'd you get the badge? I took it off your ex-boyfriend. He wasn't my boyfriend. That's right, I'm your boyfriend. Uh, oh, let go of my hair. What's with the soccer mom? Is that uh, your new thing? Grass is always greener, they say. Is her grass greener? You're hurting me. Stop it. Maybe I should give her some of what I gave that detective. She doesn't mean anything to me. No. What do you care if I kill her then? Stop screwing around. Did you bring the money or not? It's in the car. What, you're, you're really gonna run away with me, Oh, huh? I'm gonna run after I break us up for good with a bullet! She reached in her purse. What? Where's my gun? Oh, your gun, huh? Ah! 
He smacked her to the ground. Oh, God, Lily! Lily took it! I opened my purse, and there it was, smiling up at me. Rose's gun. So you were gonna do me, huh, you freaking... No. Maybe you want some of this, no, huh? the bowling pin! Oh! Uh, uh, oh! It's a lie, what they say in the movies. Killing is easy. I mean, inside, I didn't feel a thing. Rose and I rushed out. She grabbed a duffel bag from Forelli's car. Lily, we gotta get out of here. My bags are packed. I'll go with you. I have to take care of something first, alone. Well, then we'll meet up. I've set up a gig at Three Strikes in Sacramento. Heard of it? Yeah, I'll find it. I go on at 1 a.m. Meet me in the dressing room at a quarter till. Yeah, sure. And Lily? Get rid of the gun. And that's just what I did. I chucked it in the river and headed north. I found three strikes. It was a three-lane alley slapped onto a dive bar on a street lined with them. Two Irish pubs, an English pub, a sports bar, five strip clubs, and a church for Sunday mornings. I pulled into the parking lot at 20 to 1. I didn't see Rose's car. It was a little early, so I figured I'd wait in the dressing room. But she'd already come and gone. There, on the makeup table, was her sequin dress and a note. Dearest Lily, I'm sorry. I can't do this anymore. Every town's the same. Everyone wants a little piece of me until there's nothing left. I'm taking the money, and I'm going to find a little house with room for a garden to live out my life. I want a husband, a dog, and my 2.4 children. But I promise to plant lilies. Love, Rose. I couldn't go back to Josh. I, I, I could tell him what happened, and he'd probably take me back anyway. But I couldn't. comes running from the shadows when you turn out the light. You're on in five, Miss Tulip. <laughs> <laughs> Tulip, huh? <laughs> Has a certain ring to it. My clothes fell to the floor. I slipped on the sequin gown. It was long, but I could have it taken up tomorrow or the next day. I had lots of living left to do and it was time to step into the spotlight. Signing off in three, two, one.